Hi everyone, it's Lauren Hubelay here, and this is Restoring Immunity with Polyvagal Explorations. My colleagues Cameron, Megan, and I began a process last week of recapping the essential takeaways from our seven full months of polyvagal explorations. Today, we're gonna look at the two autonomic states of survival, the sympathetic state and the dorsal vagal state. Although most of you are familiar with the sympathetic state, can you really recognize what it feels like for you when you're in that state? And what about that state of dorsal vagal? Is that a little bit more obscure for you? What we're going to do right now is to have a little review of those. And I think you're going to love the conversation that unfolds. So ladies, Cameron, Megan, welcome. I've got a question for you to open up our discussion today. How do you know whether you've been swept up into a sympathetic or a dorsal state? Megan, do you want to get us started? Yeah, I think this is such an important question and I'm glad we're exploring it today. Really bringing it back to, so I paused as I thought about this question when we talked about discussing it and tried to go back into my body and get in touch with what my body feels like. Um, not just what my thoughts feel like and how my thought patterns change, but what my body feels like when something triggers me and I move into a state of protection. Uh, and what does the sympathetic feeling feel like opposed to dorsal? And I right now, maybe you can see if you're watching this, but I have my hand on my chest because I think this is an area that feels like a big barometer for me of knowing which state or blended state I'm in at the moment. And not just whether my heart speeds up or not, or whether I can feel my voice in my chest more flat and my affect more flat and more disconnected and low from myself or more revved up, but there is almost a feeling of a gas pedal in, of my energy that changes. So when I'm in a situation and I feel triggered and I am responding, I notice that I feel a internal revving or an internal pushing or speeding up sensation with an immediate desire to do something when I'm moving into a sympathetic state. And I notice quite the opposite in dorsal. I had a situation last week where I had a hard conversation with someone. And um, I knew somewhere deep inside that there was still water coming and that we would communicate effectively. But in that moment, I was sitting. And when I hung up the phone, I found myself feeling very glued to the chair. I felt a bit of a hollow, empty sensation in my chest. And I just didn't move. I felt my voice sort of flatten and my mind became a bit fuzzy. And luckily I was able to give myself permission to just kind of sit there and be with that. But that felt very dorsal to me. 
It's a wonderful explanation, Megan, and I can really feel into those two states. In fact, as you were talking about the dorsal, could you feel yourself too, Cameron, kind of dropping down there right with her? That's fascinating how effective that is, just your speaking about it and picking up on your, your, your description. Cameron, what about you? It's such a wonderful way we begin to be curious about our different state shifts. And I'll share with you, it's very immediate. When I anticipate um, coming and joining both of you, which this is one of my happy, happy places in, in my life. But then I'm sitting down, I've got my laptop up in front of me. I, I try to queue up the, the, the Zoom link and I'm like, oh, have I done that right? Oh, wait a minute. Is it the right time? Is it the right day? I have that. I start to have trouble breathing. I have that sense of urgency. It's like, oh no, what, what if I miss it? What if I messed it up? I, I'll check it three times. I mean, I feel like I just blossom into this urgent, you know, distracted. Uh, and it's a sympathetic burst for me. And, and I can, even as I talk about it, the story about it, my chest gets tighter and my words get quicker. And things like that breathless place and, and particularly for a system that I refer to as sensitive, it can happen so quickly for me. Mm. It's like, and then staying with this, I can, sometimes I can feel, you know, a breath will help, but this, so I'll confess to a similar thing happens at the end of a session when I realize, oh, we're almost done. We're saying our goodbyes and we're wrapping up. And I have a brief moment as I'm descending my ladder through sympathetics, like, oh, we're saying goodbye. I, I'm losing this wonderful place of, of sharing and connection. And and then the moment I sign off, it's like my system just goes sort of, there's a feeling of, I implode. It's like, just, I lost connection with, with a sense of, you know, inclusion, with a sense of connection. And I can just, it's like the wind goes out of my, my, my sails and it, I can feel it, that physical and I can even hear it as I'm describing it that voice is kind of like <sighs> and, and it's a missing it's a longing it's feeling that dorsal vagal far away it's feeling that energy just come out from under so those I'm are just, with you yeah <laughs> I feel it, you know, we can sense it because we can know in ourselves, but we can also sense when another system, another autonomic nervous system that we might be with is also shifting. It's like, wait, wait, where, where, where are you going? <laughs> exactly, Cameron. Where are you going? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Well, thank you. That was very clear. That was very clear. You know, it's uh, no secret that I raised an 18-year-old recently, and I will say he's 19 now, and I, I can see that there's a light at the end of this tunnel. However, I think um, when we were at our most difficult times as mother and son, um, somewhere between 17 and 18, and that's also when I came to know polyvagal theory, thank goodness, um, that, that I could feel myself move through those states. Now, anyone with a teenager 
with, I, I am sure you could um, um, see this for yourself, that you would um, also have this experience, how quickly we can move through that state. So I'm happy. I'm in the kitchen. I'm in my happy place chopping vegetables da 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 everything's good and i might even have a little aretha going on pandora and life is good and in comes you know said 18 year old said 17 year old um upset about something i didn't do right um and um immediately there's something that's set off in me and the um, uh, urge to fight that right like no that's not true i didn't do that you are you're misunderstanding and and this mobilization that just goes right up and um and then when he comes back with the same mobilization energy the next thing in me that i am so wired to do i'm out of here i am so out of here <laughs> you can cook your own dinner i'm going for a hike right and and there it is like in a split second right this the whole all the the phases of sympathetic and what i did notice and happened uh, a, a number of times when this tension wouldn't get resolved it would burn itself through to the point that i had no energy to hold it up anymore and that didn't need to fight or flee and you know obviously my husband prevented me from fleeing too far and and then I could feel myself dropping okay I have no more energy to do this fight and the dorsal state I have to admit was a welcome state many a time because it allowed me to separate from a situation that I felt like there was no resolution to like i just have to live through these next two years and i know it's gonna be fine um where i just couldn't see in my fight flight a different way to do it but that dorsal state would come at that like i can't sustain this any longer i can't keep all this energy this tension just drop it just drop it and and I know I'm not dropping this is a biological drop because the energy doesn't exist anymore to hold this and down I go and when I would wake up in the morning and I would do this kind of hmm one eye yeah this feels good this feels pretty safe I like this shell I think I'll stay here for a little bit and and yeah, I think that's what teenagers do for us. They help us identify our states pretty quickly. Megan, you would never have that experience. Hmm. No, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> I think that anybody who's in relationship, which is pretty much all of us, whether that be as a child or a spouse or a sibling or a parent, I think when we care very deeply, we tend to, um, you know, we have more at stake and we are triggered by, you know, when we're co-regulating with them or when you're listening to Aretha and chopping your vegetables, you feel his presence just walk into the room 
in a way that's so much more affecting than if um, the mailman came to the door or something. You know, there's so much more connection there. And I th think it's, it's a real mirror for us, um, especially when we are in this parenting journey. It's a real mirror for us and an opportunity for us to, um, as we're ping-ponging through the states and trying to both take care of ourselves and take care of this other person that we are and how we tend to respond. And, and that can lead to some beautiful opportunities to notice. And as Cameron always says, anytime there's a piece of noticing where we are, there's a little bit of ventral there, a little bit of connection to ourselves. Well, Cameron, it was your um, guidance that helped me see um, where, I, where I was in the, that those situations and how quickly I could move up and down and actually be able to start catching myself as I would mobilize. So our theme today and in this recap is understanding the difference between these two states and I know there's some real biological differences. Cameron, do you want to try to sort those out for us and get that part of the conversation started? Yeah, because it's so helpful to understand how our biology is trying to serve us in a protective way. And that it isn't about what we do or, you know, what we shouldn't do, but in those moments that you know, life might be the moment in the kitchen with the vegetables and, and, and the music, but then another autonomic nervous system walks in the door in a big way. And if our autonomic nervous system is picking up any, I would say, cues for disruption, cues for lack of safety, cues for danger or threat, remember this is neuroception this is our biology i mean somebody can come through the door without a word it could even be a you know a big wind blowing through but all of a sudden it'll be <gasps> what happened wait and our biology is quickly asking us to leave whatever moment we were in uh, leave the ventral vagal away for a moment because i had to figure out am i safe did something big and bad just happen do i need do i in fact need to do something but it's all happening at that biology level and I think back that who of us, when, before we were parents and just trying to survive life as a young adult, whether it was the job or you know education or whatever, didn't try pulling those all-nighters, didn't try you know, partying all night long and then trying to get up for a job in the morning, but trying to like really use that mobilized energy. Maybe there was a little caffeine in there and a little more caffeine in there. We try or whatever is we get mobilized and, and, and can't resolve that for whatever reason. Our biology is going to take us down. We cannot live on no sleep, caffeine, too much cortisol, too much um, adrenaline, our systems won't. So if we can't find a way to easily regulate back up our ladders, our system, biologic system for survival will take us down in that adaptive dorsal vagal survival response. And, and you with a little insight, Lauren, could appreciate, you know, times that was just perfect for your system because it needed that rest and recharge. 
But if we don't have the context and we only have the experience of being drawn down into what might be a very overwhelming, deep, dark, hopeless, helpless place, that's truly that adaptive survival response. So Cameron, I just want to help our listeners. When we say biological, this is, we're referring to what? Our autonomic nervous system works outside of our awareness 24-7, constantly picking up cues from our body, our environment, and our connection with, with other autonomic nervous systems. And before it gets to a thought, our biology is already trying to tune us for enough safety. And if there's not enough safety, it alerts our physiology to do something or to, you know, protect in, in the dorsal vagal state. So many people don't realize that this is happening all the time. Hmm. Mostly and, out of our words. And I think a big fundamental differentiation when we move out of ventral and that state of connection into one of the two states of protection is to observe our energy. You know, in some states we feel mobilized and revved up and in other states we feel flat and low and that's not necessarily because we're energetic or we're tired. That can be a product of the autonomic nervous system state. So the state of sympathetic is a mobilized, higher energy, um, do something about it place. And the state of dorsal is a lower energy, um, isolated, crawl in the shell, um, disappear kind of state. And so those are experienced so differently from each other. So I think that can be a great starting point. Just where am I? Am I feeling like I'm jumping out of my seat and I must respond to this? Or am I feeling like I wanna disappear into the couch so nobody can see me? And when I am with my kids, for example, there are times when I engage as Lauren shared and kind of have this back and forth bantering with one of my kids. But there are also times when one of my kids is coming at me with that same triggering sort of energy. And I notice that I don't respond. And one of the ways that I'm working on tuning in to my own states are, how does it feel different when I'm not responding and engaging, when I'm feeling pretty secure and stable in myself, and I'm still feeling connected to them and I still see them and I still acknowledge it, but I don't engage. That feels more ventral to me. I still have a sense of connection to myself. In fact, my sense of connection to myself is so secure in that moment that I don't need to engage versus there are times when I just feel almost so triggered that I can't even find the words to engage and I'm silent, but I'm not silent out of a contentment, certainly. <laughs> I'm silent out of a defeated, um, I better cut my losses and uh, just get dinner on the table and say nothing. Um, and that feels more dorsal because in that moment, I can feel that I'm not observing myself and I'm not observing them. I'm just trying to hide in the moment. Yeah. Oh, that sounds familiar, Megan. 
Um, you know, we, one of the things that I would practice saying is, don't bite the hook, Lauren, don't bite the hook. <laughs> and, and I would find that as soon as I would feel myself tensing, with that energy, that autonomic nervous system coming into the room and feeling very threatened because that's what I felt is um, don't don't get caught, right? Like don't get caught in it. And so I think this noticing and naming is the greatest gift because once we can figure out what it is that happens to us first, right? Like, and I'm doing the same thing, Megan. I put that hand on the heart and, you know, is, is it um, tense? Is this tight here, right? Or am I getting shortness of breath? But I think one of the things that I use as a cue is this hyper alertness. Like I notice every single detail and sensory, you know, overload going on, but I, um, I'm taking in every single bit like a, a, an animal would. And that's right there on the line because hypervigilance, when you can work with it, it is using your autonomic nervous system and its mobilization state as a real ally. But for some of us, if we're out, if it's all happening outside of our awareness, we're only getting the mobilized energy and not necessarily feeling it's our ally. So a lot of people could be in that exact same state without awareness would feel, geez, I'm so anxious. I'm constantly here there. Or might say, oh, I'm so ADD or I'm so, so that, that very nuanced moment between having your autonomic nervous system and hypervigilance as an ally or feeling like it, it's an enemy, it's overwhelming, is so much exactly as Megan say, why why we spend the time learning about an autonomic nervous system? It's because it's happening anyway. Wouldn't it be better to have it as something that works for us and with us rather than against us? Sure. Cameron, I think that this leads to a really important point, which is I know at the beginning of this exploration, and I wonder um, if some of our listeners can also relate to this, this can feel confusing because our autonomic nervous system is not changing daily. It's not shifting states daily. It's not shifting states hourly. Moment to moment, our autonomic nervous system is neurocepting safety or danger and shifting. So it's okay if you're listening to this and a bit confused about what your patterns of response to life tend to be. Because before we settle into this and get to know these states, typically what life is, is just sort of ping-ponging around between the three states. And certainly life is experienced probably mostly as uh, blended states, which we're we'll talk more about that another time. But if you feel the ping-ponging around between the states, just know that that's a-okay, that's, that's why we're having this conversation so that we can start to get to know ourselves better and get to know each other better. Thanks for that, Megan, that's, that's very important. I, I was thinking the language we use, even in our self-talk, I think is very helpful in identifying states like, oh, I'm just gonna get through this or I've just gotta push this out or, that that is very mobilizing and and that is a, a sure sign that 
that um, we're, we're moving up in that sympathetic state, whereas when we find that tasks take more energy than we think they should, and we just can't find that energy, and I, I always think about this, like I can't pull down into my reservoir somewhere to get it. And I, and I will even say that, I don't know why this is taking, you know, so much or so much out of me, or this is draining me. I think that would be for me a cue that I'm definitely dropping into that dorsal state. I see you nodding, Cameron. Does that does that sound about right? Yes, absolutely. And I love it. This, you know, Megan is very suggestive, you know, listen into our, our, our bodies, as have you. And sometimes when we listen into our inner chat, and there's a lot that goes on in my inner chat, but our inner critics are not eventually they go. They're like, hurry up, get it done. You you do this all the time. I and mean, what's wrong with you? Big cue. Or I'm sorry, but my Sarah Heartburn and or as woe as me. Yeah. Here we go again. Let me know I'm heading into dorsal or I have arrived in dorsal. But we it's another way we befriend how it is we know where we are at any given moment. I love that our inner critics are not vigil. So our inner critics are always in a survival state. They're they're probably we created them right to help us survive. And actually, they were probably part of our earliest toning and tuning because it was ways in which people organized ways in which people around us. Let's try parents. Not that you would ever do those things, but you know, shaming. I mean. It, think of how effective that is if I don't know a parent alive that hasn't used that look or that, oh, don't start that young, whatever. <laughs> and it, it's using, it comes from a mobilized place. It's like, I need to organize my experience and oh, your experience now. And you can feel that energy of mobilization, that energy of urgency. And then we learn inside when we're in a state of urgency, it's like, oh, the inner critic emerges. Cameron, I feel like what you're describing is as a parent, things can feel very out of control because you have this other being dependent on you. And if you can just exert a little sympathetic control over yourself and them, that perhaps your nervous system will feel safer. Yeah. And I think- It's an adaptive survival. It's an adaptive survival. And I'm gonna interrupt just because not all of our listeners are parents and right now, my household is one of myself and two cats. So yesterday when my two cats had to go for their wellness event, we're not talking any ability to communicate, <laughs> but it did involve my waking up early in the morning, having to pre-medicate because they think I'm trying to kill them when I stuff them into little boxes sure. and put them in my car. So I'm mobilized, they're mobilized. I mean, I. I can look back and say, oh my goodness. And, and then I had to handle driving and technology and there's cats and even when they were pre-medicated, which was the first for us, I, you know, it was just, I, you know, it's a miracle I could drive and, and find out where I was. In Old Speak, I was an anxious wreck. It, it was just, 
I was mobilized, they were mobilized. There was no ability for me to even can think of controlling their behavior. And then when I came home and since we hadn't done a little pre-medicating beforehand, I take my cats out of their container and they had a snack and, and then my little girl, it's a brother sister team, promptly wobbled into and then walked headfirst into the refrigerator. And again, my system is like so mobilized, what's wrong with you? What have you done? And that little system, because it had medication and it, it went right into a dorsal vagal state. That was her biology. She needed to essentially sleep it off. Sure. I, however, remained for a long time. And it's like, I keep going, poking her. You okay? You okay? I need to know. You're okay? You sure you're okay? Do, do you need anything? And, and eventually my system at the end of the day saw her system coming back online and I just went right down my ladder and it wasn't I wasn't appreciating it till I really sort of hit bottom and went could begin to come back up and appreciate how taxing it was on my system mm. and, and I really visited every state and you know we, we like to think we have that element of control when we have language but that's sometimes an illusion because I think parents know as well as anyone that's around any other autonomic nervous system you really cannot control another autonomic nervous system no we cannot no no so we are <laughs> look at this recap of looking at the dates of survival sympathetic and dorsal anything else you'd like to add megan I think that this has been a beautiful conversation. I love how uh, we are getting to know each other as we explore the polyvagal theory and what it looks like in our lives. Thanks, Megan. And how about you, Cameron? Well, I love this recap and it's, it's a very moving place for me because once I started to move into the polyvagal theory language it, and it was about biology, it's so much easier just to be honest and curious because what had been years and reams of shame about me and how my biology shifted in my best interest albeit a little bit confusing for myself and lots of people but now is oh look at my biology and it, it's a place of invitation for us all to think what if my biology is doing the best it could can and we just need to find more efficient ways to support it doing whatever it's trying to do anyway and befriend it. Our autonomic nervous systems certainly don't care about the word should. Yes. <laughs> that is so true. Well, I hope this cleared up um, this part of our journey in um, polyvagal theory and that you're walking away with at least a little more insight into these two states and can take away from our conversations here and begin to notice your states a little more clearly as you move through these next days and weeks ahead. And we'll be coming back next week with um, the third of four of our recaps. And we look forward to having you drop in then. So thank you.